Hey everybody, a beautiful good morning to you. I'm sitting here in Wakefield, a couple minutes outside of Boston, in a strangely warm and sunny February day. We've had an amazing week um, weather-wise. And also, it seems that there's a lot of really powerful energetic shifts going on. Seems like a lot of people that I'm talking to are going through different processes and making realizations. It seems like this winter a lot of things were incubating. A lot of people were going through some, yeah, some really kind of difficult times. And it seems like now a lot of stuff's coming to the surface. A lot of people are finding that they need to confront things in their lives. And a lot of processes are, are coming to light. And a lot of things it seems almost like from the subconscious are coming up and becoming conscious. So I felt called today to give a podcast. Um, a lot's been going on with me in my life. Um, but I just thought that I wanted to share an, uh, an anecdote, so a story from last night. And I guess it could start with, um, with yesterday, yesterday being this really beautiful day and went with my friends Derek and Wally and we went um, we went hiking so we went out to this mountain and we, you know walked walked up to the top this is near Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire um, really beautiful great great granite and um, yeah nice hike nice time in nature and we had a really deep conversation really powerful and when we got back um, I actually went and gave a meditation class, a teaching to a group of teenagers and their parents in a local church. And um, and it was a really sweet kind of talk just about my life and my experiences. And then we got a little bit into talking about, um, you know, following your life path and, um, you know, trying to see really who you are underneath all the conditioning and what is it that you really want? What are you really here for? And afterwards, I went um, back with Derek and Wally, and we made a fire. We had a fire ceremony. We called in the directions and had my drum. And um, then there was also a women's group happening. And we created a ceremonial space for the women to come out. And the women came out, and um, they were able to sit and share and offer their prayers into the fire. And it was really this beautiful moment, sitting there kind of under the stars with this fire, um, with the men holding space for the women to do ceremony. Um, it seems like a really beautiful step forward for, for us men to be, to be holding space and to be holding structure for the women to be able to share. Um, it felt very respectful, very honoring of the feminine, which is something that we don't see enough of in our culture, actually. So the ceremony was really beautiful, and then also we had a chance to share afterwards, us men. And um, we also shared our, our you know, intention and our vision of, of being able to do things like this more often and um, to be able to hold space for also the younger generation, for the, the young men and women that are coming, the sisters and brothers who, um, yeah, who don't necessarily have good role models, who don't necessarily feel community, who don't really... Um, yet really know their place in society or even within themselves and thinking how we can support them through different ceremonies and um, possibly even holding some kind of 
uh, retreats for the youth, for their empowerment. And um, it was just really powerful thing and everything was, you know, very synchronistic and almost as if it meant to be and a lot of crossovers that we could have never expected about things people were experiencing individually and things that the men were talking about on their walk up the mountain and things the women were talking about. So it was all very um, kind of divinely perfect. It had that feeling of just interestingly everything flowed together in a really nice way. And... um, and then it ended and, you know, people started going off. So um, at the moment, myself and my girlfriend were staying down in Wakefield. So she left a little bit before me and um, I sat and talked with Wally a little bit. And finally got into my car and I realized that actually I had the keys to the to the house. That my girlfriend was kind of on the way to a house she didn't have the keys for. And it was maybe 11.30 at night. So I get in my car and I start driving and... Um, as soon as I get in the car, I turn the gas and I see that, um, that the tank is empty. So I think, oh, okay, so actually I'm going to have to first get gas, you know, before I can then go down and then open the door for her. And she left before me. So, um, so I plug in my phone to call her. And as soon as I plug in my phone, my charger dies and my phone is on, I don't know, maybe 3% battery. So without necessarily knowing exactly the direction I was going, I just started driving and I was kind of going over in my head how I should do this because, you know, if I call her, then the phone dies and I don't have the GPS to get to the place that I'm going. And, um, you know, but if I don't call her and then my GPS does die, then, um, you know, it's 12 o'clock. She's waiting in Waitfield in front of this locked door, waiting for me, calling me, not sure what's happening. My phone's not working. Um, so I actually find a gas station, which was really lucky and filled up and started heading towards her. And, uh, yeah, now my phone's at 1% battery and, um, I have this, you know, destination in Wakefield on my phone and I'm kind of heading towards it and I see that it's going to be, you know, maybe 15 minutes and not really sure if I'm going to be able to make it or not. And it's, you know, now 12 something and just picturing, you know, my girlfriend sitting in front of this door waiting for me, you know, wanting to be in touch with me, but maybe not being able to, and um, kind of went through this disaster scenario of what happens if I even get kind of close, but then my phone dies, and I really don't know how to get to the place and how to kind of contact her. And and then it kind of just hit me um, that I have no control. That I'm always trying to have control, and even in some ways I think I do, But ultimately, all of my strategies, all of my planning, all of my efforts are built upon a structure that is absolutely and completely beyond control. Um, At any point, your phone can die, your car could break down, uh, there could be an earthquake, you, you you could get sick, you could die. A meteor could strike the earth. A million and one different things could happen at any moment. And they do happen. There's always these unexpected things that are coming in and just uprooting um, our, our plans, our sense of certainty and security in life. And they're spaced out often just enough that you almost feel like everything's okay and you got it together and, you know, you've kind of, got a handle on the situation um, called your life, and then you'll just get blindsided by something. 
And this will really keep happening again and again and again throughout your life until eventually you die. And, and that's kind of the final blind side. I don't know how many people wake up in the morning knowing that they're going to die that day. I think death, you know, is something that, um, that often just kind of happens unexpectedly as well. And it was kind of this, this scary yet, yet funny and very humbling place that I felt myself drop into to realize that I, I have no control that I really depend on everything around me holding steady. Everything around me really working the way it's supposed to. Everything around me being dependable. When I was a Buddhist monk, we learned about the, the three tenets of the Dharma, these are the teachings of the Buddha. And it's Dukkha, Anicca, Anatta. And the word Anicca is often translated as impermanence. It's that everything around us is impermanent. But my teacher, Achim Brahm, he was saying, you know, if you really look into the texts, the monks were not allowed to go begging for alms, for food, to the same house many days in a row that you're not allowed to depend on only one family to survive, as monks were, were almsgoers. They would go out with their bowls to get food. And the word that was used in the ancient texts, the word that was used in relationship to this dependency on, on one family, the word that was used was the word Nietzsche. And Nietzsche means to depend on that something's dependable, that it's there, that it's stable. And in the Pali language, if you place an A in front of a word, it, it negates it, it creates the opposite. So, anicca, right? So it's not dependable. And the Buddha himself said, this is one of the, the tenets of, of the Dharma. This is actually simply one of the laws of, of life, of the universe, that, that ultimately um, all things around us are are not dependable, they're undependable. And to really reach that point where you see that you don't have control, that you don't have real control, it allows you to drop into to a deeper level of surrender. And there's a humbleness to it, as I said, and also for myself, it really arose this feeling of, of collaboration. Because I found myself driving there and actually speaking to my phone and saying, you know, please don't die yet. Just wait for me to get home. You know, I don't want my, it's 1230. I don't want my girlfriend to be sitting in front of this, you know, cold house waiting for me, not knowing where I am. I'm almost there, please. That I found myself almost begging to my iPhone to, to stay alive, that I, that I had to communicate with the things around me and, you know, beseech them to work together with me. Um, and if I have to be really honest, I think that 
that this place of surrender, that this place of um, of really letting go in a deep way is a place that I've been trying to get to for a long time. And I've kind of known about it, but I haven't really known that it Maybe I could say I didn't really know how to get there, how to make that experience fully in my own heart. And so in this one moment where it seemed like everything was kind of falling apart um, and still kind of in the ceremonial space from everything that happened before it, it really kind of struck me deeply. And, um, and I found that to be really beautiful. I found that to be a really beautiful thing. So that's the lesson that I, I guess I wanted to share today, the thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, there was a couple more events this week. You know, I went snowboarding. I learned how to snowboard. and There's a lot of teachings within that itself. And My father had a health scare, and that brought up a lot of things. We actually went to bless somebody's property, and their father had just passed away, so we spread the ashes, and we... Know, did a whole ceremony there. So there's really been a lot of different impulses coming up and a different different lessons kind of waking up all of a sudden. And again, I think it's just the time for that. It seems like there's a lot of things coming up. Um, and I think when we're able to be open to what's coming up and we're able to really respond and listen and, and not treat anything that's happening um, as if it's wrong or a mistake or an accident or to feel victimized by our circumstances in any way. But to really stay open to the lessons that are available to learn in each moment. When I was sitting by the fire, um, and as the wind was blowing, I would see the smoke kind of circling around. And it would be blowing in different directions and hitting different people in the face. And it just kind of made me think that, you know, life sometimes... Like this fire, sometimes it really is keeping you warm. Sometimes it's really present and there for you. And sometimes the winds change and you get a face full of this burning, choking smoke. This, this pain, this difficulty. And you have to find your way to, to forbear it. And sometimes the winds continue in that direction and then you have to move. You have to completely uproot and change. You have to realize, okay, this is not the right thing for me to do. And sometimes you really just have to dig in and let the smoke pass. Sometimes it's not possible to move. And I think it's important just to remember that, um, that things are always changing on a really deep level. And the control that we have is often our response our response to what's happening around us, our response to what's happening with inside of us. When I was teaching the group of kids at the church, one of the uh, leaders of the group, this woman, she spoke and said, yeah, we were speaking with the students about invasive thoughts. Um, for instance, when you're driving your car down the road and you just have this thought about you know, swerving off the road, and I said, that's funny. I actually think that all the time. I'm driving on the highway and I'll think, what would happen if I closed my eyes right now? Um, 
And she said, yeah, everybody actually has thoughts like this. These are called, she called them invasive thoughts that would just come up. And I kind of reflected back that in a way, all of our thoughts are invasive in terms of you never really know where your thoughts are coming from. And it's really important to also not identify with your thoughts as you, um, to not have to believe everything you think and stand behind everything you think, to let thoughts kind of pop up and kind of dissolve. And I think this idea of choosing our, our relationship, our response to what's happening, um, is really one of the greatest gifts of empowerment that we have. Of, um, of choice, of decision. And there's not always a possible action. And I think this is also important. I think often we say, um, you know, what can I do? Our response to a situation is, what can I do? And really oftentimes the thing to do is to, to bear witness to hold a situation fully in your presence, in your heart, and to feel it, to feel the, the pain or the sadness or the loss, to feel the reality of this plane that we live in with its joys and its sorrows. And to really also let that teach you to be taught by the fact that, that this is all greater than us, that we are only a part of facets. We, um, we're an experiencer of what's going on. The experience moves through us. It's as if we're these little conscious pieces of the universe that are able to perceive what's going on. But the universe that's flowing through us and around us is just so much greater. When I was at um, Pine Ridge Reservation with the Lakota Sioux, I spent a week there living with the native people. They told me a word for God, which was Wakan Tanka. And they told me that the translation of that it's that which is always moving. So their understanding of, of God, of the great spirit, of this, this power that we're in, their definition of that was defined by its quality of change, of movement, of flow. And as the winds blow the fire and the smoke in different directions, we have to learn how to enjoy and appreciate the warmth and feel the thankfulness and the gratitude for when we have it, to feed the fire so it feeds us, to respect the fire so it respects us. And then also to know that the winds do change and will change and to learn how to how to forbear, how to go through, how to accept also those times. 
how to let them go and then also let them pass. And ultimately we'll drop down into a deeper space, a timeless space, a space that supersedes the vicissitudes of life. will drop into the space of great presence, total being and full surrender. That's my talk for today. Thanks for listening. Visit me at sethmonk.org.